So from the future perspective, I think the right balance is not thinking of AI as complete automation of, oh, now we just have machine do end-to-end and you'll be hired just talking to machine, but finding machine-assisted processes where human and machine is working together to while improve efficiency and reduce bias, but is also able to provide the human touch. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. Welcome back, Rebel HR listeners. Extremely excited for the conversation today. We are going to be talking about AI and HR and how those two things can work together. With us today, we have Samir Maskey. He is the CEO of Fuse Machines and an AI professor at Columbia University. Welcome to the show, Samir. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Kyle. Well, I'm really excited for this. You know, I think this is one of those topics where, um, you know, I, I I saw your background and I and I, I I saw some of the work you're doing, and I just had to talk to you because, admittedly, this is an area that I am very undereducated in, and so I was you know, going to say just, the same thing, Kyle. So I'm yeah, glad it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just I'm just fascinated, uh, and Molly, thankfully, is here to ask the good questions. Um, so, but before we get into that, I want to understand, you know, what got you into the world of AI, and ultimately into how AI and HR can work together? Um, my interest in AI, I think, um, started with <laughs> some of the sci-fi movies on, uh, you know, computer talking to humans, um, you know, natural language dialogue systems. Um, so in college, I studied physics and math. And during that time, I started doing research in speech synthesis. So I built the first Nepali speech synthesizer. I grew up in Nepal, so I speak Nepali as well. And we, I ended up building Nepali speech synthesizer, so AI for language. And that's how my research interest in AI uh, uh, started. And I started doing more and more research on language and AI and did my PhD in uh, natural language processing uh, and speech processing for summarization and so forth. And that's that's how I got started in the world of AI. <clears throat> oh, and then the second part of the question, um, how how I started doing work on particularly AI in HR world, right? So as as I just mentioned, uh, I came from academic background of just using AI for language. How do we build natural language processing system like question answering systems, dialogue systems, and so forth? Um, and with that expertise of building machines to be able to read text, uh, extract information, doing information extraction from text and so forth, has led on to uh, a much better understanding of how we can operate some of the same technologies like information extraction from documents, where documents is actually resumes, right? And uh, that's how uh, we've ended up are now doing more and more research on trying to figure out all possible applications of AI, particularly from both NLP and speech processing um, on uh, the end-to-end process of somebody applying to a job to getting hired, be it skills extraction from resumes, uh, be it um, automatically scoring, you know, interviews, uh, trying to figure out uh, 
the the possible matching score between applicant and job uh, descriptions and so forth. Uh, so we've been doing more and more research on this, and as a company, we have built more and more technologies around it. Filed filed a bunch of patents around this as well, which now um, has transformed the company into these set of product lines on uh, talent management platform and education platform with a lot of AI features. No, I think it's, it's really fascinating and it does, you know, I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi fan as well. So, um, in fact, the, you know, the rebel HR thing, it could, rebel could mean a lot of diff- different things, but in my nerd brain, it's like the, the star Wars rebels, you know, it's like the people who are trying to like, you know, change the world and just a small band of rebels anyways. But, um, <laughs> so, so like, I, I totally get that. Um, I, I, one of the questions I have on AI is kind of where we're at in the journey of AI, because it, it always seems like when you, when you read about it or you hear about it, it, it always seems like it's like some far off distant thing in the future. Um, but there's actually been a lot of work. So as you look at like the kind of the life cycle of AI and, 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 and kind of where we're at in, in the journey, um, you know, where are we and where do you see this really going as it relates to our world specifically in human resources? Uh, I think uh, from the overall development of AI and how useful it could be for real business use cases, now is the time. Finally, we are at the stage where it's a culmination of the accuracy of algorithm, the cost of storage and G- like you know cost of storage and GPUs and compute power, um, and the amount of data that is available uh, in the world, particularly the amount of data businesses themselves have about their products and customers, it's at this point where it is starting to make a real ROI for companies. Uh, And that's why I think we are suddenly seeing this explosion of applications of AI uh, along product and services in companies because they see real real returns on investing on, on AI applications. So because of that, I think we are now in this, uh, even more explosive growth cycle where we will see more and more use cases of AI across many, many different industries and applications. Yeah, it's came real fast. Like I think we're at the point where it's here, um, but our, our laws and our policies aren't quite up to speed yet, which is something I think we're all kind of dealing with in HR. So you that mentioned return on investment. Like what, what are, what are some of those that you, that your organizations that you're working with are actually seeing? So <clears throat> to give you an example, for example, a company that we worked with, uh, we're building uh, pricing prediction engines, right? They were trying to figure out the, they sell the product uh, across multiple geographies and, when they sell the same exact product, uh, such as games, and you're trying to sell across multiple different geographies, uh, you need to price them differently, but you still want to price it so that you're not leaving money on the table, right? And uh, they were able to build a very good machine learning algorithm to figure out the optimal price across different geographies and increase their revenue. Um, Another use case is a hospital trying to uh, reduce cost and inventory by uh, doing better implant prediction so that they have to they don't have to store all variations of implants for each surgery but fewer implant sizes for each surgery um, so many different use cases across different industries a lot of them doing a lot of them to do with 
predicting something that uh, a lot of times either reduces costs or increases revenue. So I think it's, you know, it's fair to say, like, this is going to be the future, right? This is where computing is going. Um, you know, I, th- I and I think, especially in the HR realm, there's, there's like a, there's like a counter movement to AI, you know, and it's like, you know, put the human back in HR, you know, these types of movements, which I think, I think in many cases are, are, are correct and right. But as it relates to AI and as it relates to the future of technology, what's your vision of how those two things come together that, that, you know, that we don't lose kind of the humanity of, of work or the, the work that we do. Um, but we also embrace AI. How, how do you see that in the future, Samir? Um, it's about finding that right balance, right? Uh, I think with, uh, with AI, you could automate a lot of stuff. Um, and some of it have very good applications, uh, such as I think AI could be used with a lot less bias. If you build a model right, then there could be a lot less bias in screening step, right? Humans, a lot of, I mean, in humans in generally, depending on uh, the background, all of that, uh, we know uh, several cases that we have seen even in news that there are these biases that humans have when they are screening resumes. But if we're able to build machines uh, with a lot of unbiased data to model it, we could have a very unbiased uh, machines that allows people to go through screening processes, right? But having said that, uh, as, you know, there might be questions that the candidates also want to ask uh, to understand the nuances of the culture of the company and so forth, in which case machines may have a hard time providing really good answers because machines not working alongside all the other people in the company. Uh, It will just spit back answers that, you know, whoever modeled the data saying this is what the culture looks like. But it's very hard to relate. It's very hard for the machine to relate to the culture and be able to provide that very nuanced answer to the candidate that an HR person could be able to do with that human-to-human touch. So I think it's finding the right balance. Uh, and I think definitely there's advantages of uh, using machines to automate, and then there are offered definitely advantages of human being in the loop. So from the future perspective, I think the right balance is not thinking of AI as complete automation of, oh, now we just have machine do end-to-end and you'll be hired just talking to machine, uh, but finding uh, human-assisted system, machine-assisted processes where human and machine is working together uh, to while improve efficiency and reduce bias, but is also able to provide the human touch. Yeah, when I think of AI and HR, I you know that's one of the first things that goes to my mind as well is if we can eliminate some of the, the biases, that that's a positive. Also, if it saves me time on some of the manual stuff, and I can focus on some of the the bigger strategic HR stuff. Um, And I think for me, it's also about just getting that data to become a better strategic partner. Um, I think that's one thing that HR um, can do better. Um, And I think it's hard when we don't have the data. So I think AI can really help with that piece. Yes. 
but we do have to worry about the quality of data and the bias in the data itself as well, right? So uh, you probably, I'd seen this news where one of the banks used an AI system to screen for engineers, right? And they used the historical data and historically, especially over the last whatever number of years, a lot of the engineers that got hired in the bank were male. So the machines automatically, and the model builders didn't do anything to reduce that bias, just build the model based on the historical data. And the machines were just predicting and giving higher score for in the screening steps to interview a lot of these male candidates. Uh, <clears throat> and so, so while it could be useful you know, for reducing the bias, we still need to be also aware that, especially in HR, like with most machine learning systems, a lot of historical data gets used, right? But especially in HR, when you use historical data, you need to do a deep dive to see if the data itself is very biased because of how it is collected and what the process looked like in hiring. Yeah, so I was actually just reading this, and the advice in this article is that, you know, when you're looking at these, these um technologies and these companies that HR, you really have to do your due diligence and ask the right questions about um, the program you're using specifically regarding the biases and all of that stuff. But I think for me anyway, um, that is not my skill set. I wouldn't even know what questions to ask. Um, So I guess for, for, you know, those HR folks, like me, who that's not my skill set, what advice would you have for us when we are evaluating um, these companies and these these tools? Yeah, um, so <clears throat> I was I would say one of the one of the big um, uh, like points I tried to make uh, across to to the companies that are trying to deploy AI uh, across different departments, be it HR and be it somewhere somewhere else. Is collaboration, right? And like we are here for in the HR, HR talking about HR. So for the, it's, it applies the same thing, which is like there are engineers who are building the models, and they are the end users who are actually going to use it, right? So they are HR officers, HR administrators, HR managers who may not know much about AI, um, but they know all about HR processes, the biases that creep in, all the nuances about HR workflow. While there are engineers who know nothing about HR, but they just know how to build the models. And when a company just tries to take off the shelf tool, not have this collaboration across engineers and HR managers and just build a process, that's when something like that would pop up, right? The news I just talked about. This is probably the model builders built it. HR managers said, oh, this is ready. We'll use it. It's automating now. We just need to look at 5% of resumes. 95% is automated. Everybody's happy. Uh, but then you then later on after a lot of people are hired and used for many months you see oh there's something something's off here right so the biggest advice I would say is for any company when they are trying to implement AI in HR or be it in other departments but particularly even in HR you need collaboration of HR managers with uh, AI engineers and model builders to make sure that. Uh, engineers understand the nuances of HR process and workflow. At the same time, the HR managers are at least understanding the basics of how the machinery behind the scene is working. So they are able to ask interesting questions to engineers to make sure that the engineers are taking account of the nuances of the workflow and building the model. 
I think it's, it's so interesting and it, um, it reminds me of going through, you know, an implementation of a new, like an HR system or some sort of a, you know, a, some sort of a, a system protocol where, you know, it, the system is only as smart as how you program it. Right. So, it's like, so if you, if you don't think about all of these, the, the, the nuance and the context of a, of a system and you, you take something that's just off the shelf, you're, you're going to miss something. But I do think, you know, to that point, HR does need to get um, educated on this th- so we can ask those right questions. Right. You know, like I would not have thought, okay, if a, let's say an applicant tracking system came to me and said, Hey, we have this AI solution to screen all your resumes. If you're looking for, you know, a, an engineer, just put in all these skills that you want and we'll give you, we'll top grade all the resumes. But it, I wouldn't think to ask the question, well, how do you specifically make sure that bias, that gender bias is not a part of that? Um, you know, that, that solution, you know, now I'm going to ask that question. <laughs> right. But we, mean, you need to be thinking about that, right? Yeah. I, you know, I'm so glad that you said that. Um, Cause I think one of the concerns that a lot of us HR professionals have is that AI is going to eliminate our positions and just eliminate our, a lot of our job responsibilities. And what I just heard is that no, HR will actually play a big part in it or, or they should play a big part in it. So really they can't do it without us. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, this tight coupling between the, the HR managers, HR officers, along with the model builders from engineering side uh, is super important to be able to create a lot of value out of uh, applying AI in HR. Uh, but having said that, I would also like to say it's not like there wouldn't be any job losses. I would say as AI systems get more sophisticated and is able to uh, uh, you know, automate a big chunk of the process, there will be uh, there will be need for probably slightly smaller size teams. Uh, <clears throat> but that does not mean you know, uh, there will be no humans involved. I think that's a great opportunity for all of us in HR to level up, um, to step up and do some of the higher level stuff. I I agree. You know, I think it's interesting. So, you know, obviously, you know, Molly and I have spent our career staring at the job market and trying to figure out where are people and how are, you know, how do we match the right skills with this job and that job? And, and, you know, in my experience, whenever I've heard that the comment that, or the fear that something is going to come and take our jobs away. In general, that's a really great opportunity to take a look at what is the future going to look like? Because a lot of times there's some truth to that. You know, for instance, there will be some job loss with AI. It's natural. That's the whole point. It's, it's, it's deflationary. (laughs) It's making things easier and systemizing things. And that ultimately reduces the amount of manual workload that needs to occur. Right. But I, I want to talk a little bit about this because I think this is really important. It's not about taking jobs away necessarily from people. It's about empowering people to do things that are different. And the the amount of opportunity within the realm of AI is massive. Like this is going to be a huge job market. It it, it already is. Um, and right now there's a, there's a huge talent gap. So uh, Samira, can you talk a little bit about that and, and kind of what you see as it relates to the, the labor market and kind of AI uh, as a as a labor force? Yeah, um, AI labor market is absolutely crazy right now. You probably already know that, right? Um, I would say like engineering 
talent uh, in general, the, the demand for that is as high as it could ever be. But even within engineering, I think AI engineers even harder to find, uh, right? Uh, I mean, it, it requires more additional skill sets on maths besides programming and so forth. And uh, there's just not enough of the AI engineers in the world. So talent market is crazy. Um, and But I think one way to address uh, the talent market uh, is upscaling. Right. I think more and more companies and organizations need to think about how they upskill engineers, be it other types of engineers, and give them real opportunities to learn AI and be AI engineers. But this upskilling, I think, is not only um, uh, it's not only applicable for engineers to get upskilled to become AI engineers, but as we were talking before, how do we upskill HR managers, HR officers? Right uh, and be uh, and other other types of managers across other departments to learn about AI and really upskill their skill sets around applications of AI um, and so forth. I think it's really funny because it's 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 an exact corollary corollary to what Molly and I are trying to do, and which is retain employees <laughs> and and put them on a path for for a long and and stable career. Um, and, and, you know, by investing in, in upskilling, you know, not only your employees, but potentially you're helping, you know, your, your, your vendors or suppliers upskill, you know, it being open to AI and, and kind of that, you know, as opposed to AI taking or stealing somebody's job, you know, AI empowering somebody to do something different. Um, I mean, I think that speaks to the human experience, right? It's all about growth and learning. Um, and, and that's, I mean, we should all be aspiring uh, to do that and to have our employees be doing that. Most people underestimate the power of process. They stick it in the back seat and forget about it until it's too late. But they shouldn't. Processes run the world, literally all of it. Stocked supermarkets, on-time trains, and safely landing planes are all made possible by systems of intricate, interlinked processes. They are the secret sauce of every great company, and HR teams are responsible for some of the most important processes of all. Onboarding employees, building teams, crafting culture, these vital systems are the lifeblood of every organization. That's why this episode is brought to you by Process Street, the process platform of choice for HR teams around the world. Process Street is a no-code platform that lets you transform your most important HR processes into powerful workflows. Design beautiful employee onboarding experiences with extreme engagement that increases inclusion and reduces turnover. Sync tasks into Slack or Microsoft Teams, automate emails, handoffs, and so much more. Thousands of teams, large and small, trust Process Street to manage their most important people processes, like Salesforce that used Process Street to onboard all of the 3,000 Slack employees after the $27 billion acquisition. You can learn more and sign up for a free account at www.process.st. So is your is your vision that, you know, that that AI, that there's going to be somebody in almost every enterprise that has a job in AI or, or is, or at least is at least working directly with AI as it relates to that enterprise? Yeah, I would say, uh, I mean, more and more companies are creating center of excellence for AI where they, they 
bring about all of the AI engineers in one place and they collaborate across multiple departments. So I think uh, AI, as AI touches pretty much every industry uh, and many different service and product lines, it is, I would say it is natural to think that there will be employees that has to do with something with AI in pretty much most of the large enterprises and medium-sized companies. Yeah, it's it's just going to be fascinating. I think, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, my, you know, my experience right now, it's kind of like, you know, I, I feel like our organization could use AI, but I wouldn't even know where to, where to start. But, but my guess is that it's probably already, it's already being leveraged. It's just, I don't have necessarily have the visibility, um, uh, to, to, or, or I, maybe I just don't understand how, how an algorithm is working in the background as it relates to a back office procedure or something like that. So, um, I mean, it's already kind of here, isn't it? It is, it is. And even though you might not see it, uh, as you just mentioned, just using the product lines across many different use cases, be it back office, you know, documentation, document story system. Like there's more and more data document story system coming where it automatically tags the documents so that it's easy to search later on and it puts them in the right folders and so forth. And you might be using it without even really thinking about it, right? Um, like a lot of you probably, I mean, many uh, people use, uh, for example, uh, Google's email system across organizations, and it has this autocomplete that uh, people just use it naturally uh, on creating these sentences and so forth. Um, and we, we are probably not even thinking too much about it while we write the emails, but it is here and it's already making uh, a difference in you know day-to-day workflow for a lot of people. <laughs> You know how many times that saved me from, uh, you know, putting the wrong grammar in a, in a, you know, company wide email, you know, thank- oh, for sure. thankfully that exists. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let me you know tell what's you, fast. I, Sorry, go ahead, Molly. I was just, I really wish I would have paid more attention to this stuff in college. And now I feel like I'm having to like, oh my gosh, you know, things like cybersecurity and yeah, how to, what questions to ask and what am I looking at? And this is all coming full circle into the HR realm. And I just, I need to do better. <laughs> hey, I'm still struggling with, I don't have to double space anymore. You know, that's that. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still working on that. <laughs> I do think it's it's fascinating. I mean, it's there's just there's so many applications, and it, it already exists in our world. Um, it, but I also think that there's an opportunity for us to get much more educated ourselves. And so, you know, as as we think about that, just you know, maybe it's not our core function, but it's an area that we're very interested in. You know, I think about, I actually think HR. My theory is. AI is becoming going to become more prevalent in HR than we think because we're getting to a point where we have so much data. We have too much. We don't know what to do with it. And the, the reality is that the data that we choose to do something with a lot of time has a, has just has so much bias in it because it's something that we think is important. But be, we might be looking at a you know, a, a correlation versus causation type of an issue with, with some of this data, you know, and, it, and, it, and sometimes it's just, it's just very difficult. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of applications in our space. 
Well, and it's not like you said, if you're interested in it, this is something that I am not interested in at all, but it is something that I feel like I have to learn. Um, and, and I just have to, <laughs> to dive in. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, all of us should uh, learn more and more, uh, more and more topics related to AI, be it AI for HR, be it AI for other applications. Uh, one thing I would I would say is, uh, you know, as a lot of companies tries to create these uh, upskilling programs uh, for AI. Um, and I think more companies are realizing that, especially for learning AI, just providing an access to online videos is not enough uh, because of the complexity of topics. Um, uh, like the, the companies really needs to make an effort on providing high quality uh, training programs and so forth to be able to uh, teach AI to as many uh, people as possible who may not be uh, core programmers. Yeah, I think what's so interesting. So, you know, it, you know, I'm reflecting on enge- an engineering position as an example. You know, this is something where it might take two years before I have, you know, a specific type of engineer that's actually competent and able to, to, to do their job function, you know, autonomously without having to seek the advice of a mentor or a support person or somebody that has done the job for 30 or 40 years. You know, that's just kind of the industry that I'm in. Um, and it's really, really challenging to find the right individual that's actually willing <laughs> to spend the time um, to to learn. And that's, you know, that's just kind of a, a nuance. But I think about, you know, the application of AI and and the opportunity that that could present us to think about upskilling, uh, shortening a time to competency, um, putting in a process that, that means that somebody doesn't have to remember 50 different steps to take before they can actually start to, to put the theoretical application of what they're thinking about on, you know, into that document or, or, you know, whatever the, the process is. I, I just think there's, there's so much there, um, for organizations that are struggling with where to start, is there typically a natural kind of an entry point to, to start to look at, at AI and where to upskill? You know, it, I, automatically, I assume, you, do you start with IT? Uh, do you start with, you know, do you start with your your product experts? What, what do you see there out in the marketplace? What, what are companies doing that are trying to solve this problem? I think a lot of companies are trying to upskill from IT engineering uh, departments, but I think um, the biggest bang for the buck you get and quick ROI you get is actually provide a very short training program, be a couple of days training programs for the C-suite. Um, uh, I think w- what ends up happening is, you know, there's usually a bigger mandate uh, to start applying AI in the business because, you know, board may have seen other companies, similar companies using AI and, you know, then it trickles down saying, oh, the, the asked the engineers, the engineering team gets out, like figure out something to do with AI and start applying in the product line, right? Um, and, and they start to do it, but usually a lot of the junior employees in the engineering back in the engineering team, they don't have enough high-level overview and insight to where the business is heading. What's the high-level strategic decisions that have been made in product and service offering and the evolution of them in a year out or two years out and so forth. Um, uh, so that 
the level of vision and uh, you know insight is with the C-suite. But a lot of times what I've seen is the C-suite is not trained enough on AI um, and they're just relying completely on engineers to come up with the problems, come up with the solutions and so forth. So I think there's a big, big value of providing even three-day training for the full C-suite on AI for business. Um, and I know it's a lot of time for a full C-suite to be spending three days, right? It's like everybody's super busy. But if you take out three days for many years ahead on the use of AI, it's absolutely worth it. And that could actually have a much bigger ROI on the business from an upskilling perspective. I think that's great advice. And I think HR can add a lot of value in some of those pain points that you were talking about. You know, I always tell people I love HR because you're kind of in the middle of it all, right? You see each different department, you understand a little bit of everything and you can really help be that connector to make the business run more smoothly or, um, I just think it's a really good position to be in to add value. So I think HR can take that advice and help connect some of these departments um, and really show and, and be that true business partner. Exactly. Absolutely. And I, I think about it, you know, in the context of, you know, what, what does your learning and development program look like? Um, you know, and is it, are you using a, are you using a structure and a strategy? That's something that you saw 20 years ago. And it's all the same training uh, or training topics. Um, you know, how many L&D programs have an AI curriculum? But how many employees would love to go through an AI curriculum? And, you know, maybe they're not going to be the next leader, but maybe they want to be that individual contributor and they want to be the AI expert and they could be leading your next innovation division. You know, you just, it, it, it's an opportunity for HR to step up and say, hey, what about this? You know, ask the right question and, and, uh, and potentially structure something that could be pretty cool. I would imagine the younger generations too, when they come into the workforce, that's kind of what they're going to expect. True. True. Yeah. I, I think newer generation, a lot of times they are coming in expecting a lot of uh, learning opportunities across, across topics and fields. They may not be even core part of, right? Like, so like somebody who joining as a junior HR officer, uh, they might not be doing AI, but they probably would be expecting that HR will start employing AI and they would want to start learning about AI right off the bat. And if the organization doesn't provide any upskilling opportunities and learning opportunities on AI and its application in HR, uh, there might be issues with retention, for example. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, an example here in, in my organization, so, you know, I we've been trying to systemize administrative processes since you know, forever. <laughs> and it's just one of those areas where, um, it's just, it's always a component of somebody else's job to do that. Um, and, and it, you know, you know, what happens is your day job gets in the way. Somebody comes in into your office and inevitably, you know, slows down any sort of progress. So I ended up hiring an HR system specialist and her function is to systemize HR. Right. But that's a great opportunity where, you know, I guarantee you she never took an AI class in college, but I bet she'd love this, you know, and she would probably go through this course and come up with 25 ideas I would never think of and then figure out how to help us deploy them within within our function. Um, so, yeah, I just wrote that down on my 
to-do list. <laughs> so with that being said, I think some really great things to think about. This is an area that we really haven't explored much on the podcast. So Samir, I really appreciate you taking some time. I do want to shift gears and get into the Rebel HR flash round because yeah, you, I think your perspective is going to be pretty different than, than many of our guests. So uh, question number one, where does HR need to rebel? Uh, I would say technology and innovation for some of the steps uh, within the HR processes. I think uh, overall HR processes uh, and the technology involved in it is hasn't evolved too much. Still, there's still you uh, applicants apply, put, like upload their resumes, they get screened, they get interviews, and so forth. Right, and even for example, in the screening process. So many people apply for very few jobs, right? Like when we post a job opening, we get hundreds and hundreds of applicants. And there's only enough resources to interview maybe five or ten. And the the condensation of uh, overall personality and skill set in one piece of paper on one piece is not enough to really show how good a person might be. So, for example, there could be an innovation of... AI combined with virtual reality, where 95% of people get to get interviewed by uh, an AI HR recruiting interviewer, where the, the machine is able to really get the nuance of the personality of the person, the applicant, beyond just what's in the, listed in the, the resume, right? Um, so I think there needs to be more uh, technological innovation in HR processes, and it could even start with, like I said, a screening process, where you know, uh, uh, AI avatar along with virtual reality could be interviewing ninety percent of the candidate. Absolutely, I think there's so much opportunity there, um, and that's something that absolutely you know HR has to be you know, at the forefront of that, that decision-making process and, and, and owning some of that. So question number two, who should we be listening to? Um, we should be listening to our employees. Uh, the company should be listening to the employees and especially, uh, you know, uh, there's with COVID and the newer, newer generation, uh, a lot of, uh, employees have a certain kind of level of expectation on what company, does for the employees and what are the expectations be it like we talked about before on the training programs within the companies from learning opportunities and upskilling opportunities. And I think companies need to spend a lot more time listening to the employees on what they're asking for and what would make them happy and how they are thinking about the ways to contribute towards the company. And I think many organizations don't do enough besides sending surveys once in a while. Uh, there should be a way, a systematic way of really, really listening to the employees. I think that's a great example. That's a whole nother application we haven't even talked about with AI, right? It's that, how do you allow people to surface, um, surface questions, concerns, what have you, and put that in a systematic protocol so that you can actually address the root cause of some of the concerns um, and find, you know, common themes, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. Just sorry, I'm 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 nerding out again. I'm going back to the Star Wars, you know, reference again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question here. Uh, how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about uh, some of the work you're doing? Um, they can connect with me through LinkedIn, uh, Samir Maskey, LinkedIn.com/slash Samir Maskey, or Twitter 
Samir Maskey is my handle, or my email, ismaskey at fusemachine.com. Uh, any of those channels uh, uh, would work, um, and I will respond right back. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll have that in the show notes. Uh, we'll also have a link to uh, fusemachines.com. There's a bunch of really great curriculum there. If you are thinking about, you know, an L&D program or, or maybe you just want to learn yourself so that you become an, you know, an educated HR professional for, for the future of what this looks like uh, for yourself or for your organization, check it out. Um, some, some pretty cool stuff out there. I already know, you know, double of what I knew before uh, this discussion, just by just, just in researching for, <laughs> for this. So I, I appreciate that Samir. And, and I also, I do want to thank you. I know a part of what, you know, your goal, your, your function is at Fuse Machines is really to, to democratize uh, AI education and, and to really, truly, you know, embrace AI for the future to make the world a better place. So I, I thank you for that, uh, for that mission and the work you're doing there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, with that being said, uh, that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.